0: Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from
1: Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about the surprising memory skills of infants, why that whole phosphine on Venus discovery may not be as exciting as we thought, and how medical science answered a 300-year-old philosophy question.
0: Let's satisfy some curiosity. It's hard to remember what happened before you were three or four years old, right? Well, that doesn't mean that little kids have no memories at all. And in fact, a new study shows that three-year-olds can recognize a person they met once when they were just one year old. And this is evidence that infants' memories are more durable than we thought. To figure this out, researchers had to develop a pretty clever study. First, they reached out to parents whose children had taken part in an unrelated study when they were one year old. During that original study, the children were video recorded while they identified objects, with one of two male researchers. One of them was black and the other was white. Two years later, those same children came back to the same laboratory. They were shown two videos side by side. In one video, the children saw the researcher that they had interacted with when they were one year old. The other video showed the other researcher, the one they hadn't ever met before. While the children watched the videos, the researchers tracked their eye movements. They found that the children spent significantly more time watching the video of the researcher they had never met before. Every other part of the videos was exactly the same. Same background, same behaviors, just a different person. So the researchers say the children's eye movements are pretty strong evidence that they had some ability to recognize the person they had met before. And they were more interested in looking at the unfamiliar researcher. Now, as a control, the researchers also brought in a group of three-year-olds who had not participated in that first study. This group of children preferred looking at the black researcher. See, most of these children were white, and young children often show a preference for faces of people from races that are other than their own. And that suggests that the memories of the kids in the experimental group were more powerful than their racial bias. And here's the amazing thing. These kids couldn't consciously remember meeting the researcher before. So the researchers say it's possible that young children can't access conscious memories of people they've met before. But it's also possible that they just aren't able to verbally express their recognition. And now the real question remains. If three-year-olds do actually have memories of events that happened when they were younger, why can't we recall those memories as adults? Hopefully, the researchers will remember to look into it.
1: Remember in September of last year, when everyone was excited about possible signs of life on Venus? A team of astronomers had identified a chemical in Venus's atmosphere that could potentially indicate the presence of life. Well, I've got bad news. A new analysis of the data is saying there's a more realistic explanation. It's not as exciting as aliens, but it is good science. If you missed it the first time around, I'll give you a quick rundown. Last fall, a team of astronomers announced that they had some pretty solid evidence for the presence of a compound called phosphine in Venus's atmosphere. That's a pretty big deal because phosphine is an organic chemical that's only really associated with living things, as far as we know. They reported finding it high in the atmosphere, far above the inhospitable hellscape down on the surface. That was exciting because even though it didn't directly imply that there was microbial life in Venus's clouds, it really forced scientists to examine that possibility. The supposed phosphine signatures were spotted by Earth-bound radio telescopes. Radio telescopes are devices that can analyze both visible and invisible radiation coming from celestial objects like planets or stars. See, all matter gives off a signature wavelength based on its chemical structure kind of like a light fingerprint. So scientists can analyze the wavelengths emitted from distant planets to learn whether the atmosphere might be breathable or if it has water without having to go there and risk being disappointed. But disappointed we are, because a recent re-examination of the original data discovered a slight issue with the finding. Phosphine gives off its light fingerprint at 266.94 gigahertz. Well, because of a quirk of physics, there's another compound that emits a very, very similar frequency, sulfur dioxide. Taking what we know about the way that both phosphine and sulfur dioxide behave, the researchers think that the telescopes were probably just seeing traces of sulfur dioxide high above the clouds instead of phosphine inside the clouds. And as you already know, if you're a sulfur dioxide enthusiast like Cody is...
0: Guilty. (laughs)
1: Sulfur dioxide does not imply there's life on Venus. I know that's not as exciting as discovering alien life, but it is super important that we follow up on these stories. Science should be a self-correcting process, and this is an example of that in action.
0: And on the bright side, this might attract new members to the International Sulfur Dioxide Fan Club, which I've been thinking about starting for a while now.
1: Oh, nice. Uh, What, uh... What's your handshake going to be? don't have a handshake
0: yet, but we do have a tagline. The sulfur dioxide fan club. It's so too cool.
1: (laughs) All right, I'll join that fan club.
0: That was a chemistry joke for (laughs) chemically inclined. All right, here's something of a philosophical question. If a person was blind from birth, but had their vision restored... Would that person be able to recognize the objects they know by touch just by looking at them? I didn't come up with this hypothetical question. This is Molyneux's problem, and it was a minor thorn in philosophy's side for about 300 years. Fortunately, I say was, because modern medicine may have finally solved it. Now, this debate started in the late 1600s, at a time when the science of optics was booming, And breakthroughs in microscopes and telescopes were coming fast and furious. Philosopher William Molyneux had more personal interests, though. His wife lost her sight early in their marriage. And that may have been why he was inspired to pose this now-famous question to fellow philosopher John Locke. Locke believed that the answer was no. A person blind from birth wouldn't be able to recognize objects by sight that they knew by touch. He believed interpreting sensory data was something the brain learned how to do, so a person who had known what a cube was only through touch would have to learn to recognize a cube by sight separately. Other philosophers disagreed, and this was a spirited debate with just one thing that was missing. That is, any kind of empirical evidence. But these days, the idea of curing lifelong blindness isn't just hypothetical, and that means a solution to the problem doesn't need to be hypothetical either. Enter Project Prakash, a program founded by MIT professor Pan Sinha. Between 2007 and 2010, the project restored sight to five children who had been visually impaired from birth. After their surgeries, the children performed a test using small Lego-like blocks— First, they were asked to match identical blocks by touch, and then to match identical blocks by sight. They didn't have too much trouble with these tasks, but they ran into problems when they were asked to match a block they knew by touch to one they knew by sight. Over the next few months, though, their ability improved. So in short, the verdict is in. Locke was right. A person born blind does have to learn to identify by sight what they know by touch. But... They can do it surprisingly quickly.
1: All right, let's recap what we learned today, starting with the fact that three-year-olds can recognize a person they met once when they were one year old. Researchers figured this out by tracking their eye movements, and they always spent way more time looking at the person they hadn't met, whether the original researcher they'd met had been black or white. This totally reminds me of that weird thing that toddlers will do, and I think I did this when I was little, too, is... Just talking about how they remember being in the womb and b- remember being like a little baby. And you're like, no, you don't. You, you're, you're making that up. You're a little kid and you're just you're making up fantasies. But like, what if they do? Oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> I'll ask my kid in a couple of years. I'll let you know how that goes. Perfect. We also learned that that phosphine we detected on Venus was probably actually sulfur dioxide, which sadly does not suggest the presence of life. It's kind of a relief for me because I remember literally within like 72 hours of me going on paternity leave. This came out and I saw the headlines and I'm like, OK, cool, great. I'll just take a break from my science podcast when we discover aliens. That's fine. Not a problem. <laughs> this is fine. So I'm not too upset.
1: But also we didn't cover it on this show because we were so planned ahead for your leaving for paternity leave just to make sure that nothing broke, that uh, it just wouldn't have made sense to cover breaking news. So we didn't do it. And you know what? I feel like we're vindicated.
0: Yeah, that would have been even better. Uh, Cody left on paternity leave, so we can't talk about discovering aliens on the show. Sorry, just had to plan further ahead. That would have been
1: great. (laughs) That would
0: have been great.
1: (laughs) Oh, man, I'm glad. I'm glad that didn't happen. Yeah, me too. And we learned that Molyneux problem asks if a person who is blind from birth could suddenly see again, would they be able to recognize the objects they knew by touch just by looking at them? And according to research with five children whose sight had been restored by science, the answer is no, at least not immediately. They can actually learn pretty well pretty quickly. But would they recognize
0: a person they met once when they were one year old?
1: I think the answer is oh actually no because <laughs> that if they felt their you know if they knew them by sound and feeling their face no they probably wouldn't
0: It wasn't a serious question
1: Well I, I it's a real question You never because...
0: have to engage Ashley you never have to engage <laughs> with anything I say
1: <laughs> I mean a person's face is also an object you know It's it's a real question
0: Yes no I yeah I know <laughs> Good talk. <laughs> Good talk. Today's stories were written by Kelsey Donk, Cameron Duke, and Ruben Westmas, and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily.
1: Script writing was by Cody Goff and Sonia Hodgen. Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff.
0: Play this episode for a one-year-old in your life, and then see if they remember our voices in a couple years. Or I guess just tell a friend about our show. That would be awesome. And of course, join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes.
1: And until then, stay curious. Bye.